Sometimes you're flush and sometimes you're bust. And when you're up, it's never as good as it seems. And when you're down, you never think you're going to be up again. But life goes on. Remember that. Money isn't real, George. It doesn't matter. It only seems like it does. Go! Let's get in there! <laughs> See, you don't have to be that loud. All right, man. Welcome to another episode of Staying in Trouble. Adam Short here. Eric Humes on your side. Right on, man. Here again, dude. It feels like we never left. I know. It feels <laughs> great. Look good, feel good. Have a great day. Yeah, absolutely. So we have a, a wonderful guest here in the studio, uh, Jesse Fields. Here. Thanks for having me on, guys. Oh, man, we appreciate you coming on. Uh, Jesse is uh, can we a bodybuilder? Uh, national level bodybuilder. No, no, still amateur, so... Oh, well, that's a, a lot better than most. For sure. <laughs> and um, w- where are you from originally? Originally born in South Carolina, um, but moved to Vegas from North Dakota. But we were talking a little bit earlier, small town North Dakota. Very, very small town. Like like how many? Um, I th- uh, the one town of a Native American reservation I lived on was around 3,000 of actual you know locals. And then you had the oil field that was you know a bit more, but... Yeah, it was very, very, very small. <laughs> um, probably seven bars, two restaurants, and a casino. Wow. So did you work in the oil fields? Worked in the oil fields for about 10 years, from around 2006 up until, yeah, uh, 2016. Right on. You yeah. could get a little closer to that. And then yeah. right around 2013 is when I started the whole fitness journey. So. Right on. So wait, I got a few questions on the oil fields. Yeah, for sure. So that's, that's like rough network. I was an actual roughneck. Yeah. yeah, I roughnecked on a drilling rig from yep yeah, two thousand seven ish up until twenty sixteen, and the only reason I left was because of the layoffs in the the Saudi Arabia, you know, price war with the oil. Oh, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Made it through about three years of layoffs, and then finally my number got called. So that's that's hard work. Extremely hard work, especially while trying to embark on a dieting fitness journey oh absolutely <laughs> you know so how many hours are you putting in on a day on on the oil rig so the rig itself once you're out there it's a two week on two week off situation so uh-huh. once you're out there you're there the whole time 24 hours a day living in like a fema style trailer yeah with six other men completely sardined Ooh. and <clears throat> the shifts are 12 hours six to six but usually they carry over an hour or a little extra depending on what's going on on the rig itself and how critical the operation is mm-hmm. but uh yeah, it's extremely the the hours weren't as bad as the the elements. It was negative fifty, negative sixty degrees, forty oh, mile an hour winds. Yeah, you know it never really let up, and the wind up there is a little different. It's not so much like normal places where you get gust and you know windy here. Mm-hmm. It's an entirely constant forty mile an hour wind, like driving on the road with your head out the window. It's and it that cold stop. out there, and it's like oh man, it's a, it's it's hard to describe. You have to it's something you have to physically experience to get the respect for it. So you start your physical journey, and then you you're living in like what you said a FEMA style trailer, exactly, with a bunch of guys probably not on a physical journey that you're starting. Oh, on. exactly, and that's made it even tougher. You know, yeah, they're drinking oh. beers, they're hanging out, they're eating like crap. You know, if these guys you know eat one steak a day and drink sodas the rest of the day and maybe a hot pocket, that's their day for two <laughs> weeks. And that was mine was similar, except I was a, more of a gluttonous person. So okay. We're, you're living so extreme and you're li- literally can die every day and, and that's on the back of your mind. So mm-hmm. when you get a free second or whatever, you're just trying to be as comfortable as possible, you know, to ease your mind and, you know, stuff your face and get full and, you know, combine that with just being uneducated on anything with nutrition. You know, it's a time bomb for, you know, really bad health and your physical fitness being out the window because we worked really, really hard. I was an extremely strong guy and tough but as far as being functional, it was zero, you know. Okay, so explain or help us understand the physical state you were in then and then what drove you to say, hey, I'm done living this way. I'm going to start making a change. Well, so when I started on the rig, I initially lost about 30 pounds just from the workload. And, oh, and in, my, in my mind, I'm thinking, wow, you know, I'm going to be, you know, I thought I was jacked then. I'm like, yeah, I'm a roughneck and I lost 30 pounds. I'm unstoppable. You know, I can eat what I want, do what I want. I work so hard, it don't matter. Just like most people now, it's like they work hard. They don't want to get off work and do anything else physical because they're justified their work day. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> as the years went by, you always just hear people saying, oh, you're a big guy. Oh, you're a healthy guy. And so I wasn't real sloppy, 
you know, as far as my physical state, but I was real husky. I was very thick, almost like a, I would say like a lumberjack style body. There's real, like a barrel, uh-huh. super tight and, you know, pressure, you know, probably my blood pressure was, I couldn't imagine what it was then, you know? So after the years went by, I just, it started creeping up because of the, just, I was easily averaging and no exaggeration around 10,000 calories a day of just garbage. I yeah. probably, and, and I look back and I, I've told people many times I've, at least for a two or three year stint, I didn't drink water, period. No, just direct water. I'm sure from the sodas and the teas and drinks in general, I got obviously got water, Boy, but yeah. drinking a bottle, you couldn't pay me to drink water. I wouldn't. Really? For a minimum of two to three years. So at the end of the uh, 2012 year, we was on a New Year's Eve uh, celebration at a local bar, just regular eating cheese curds, you know, eating junk, drinking beer, and... Mm-hmm. Uh, took pictures the next day I saw the picture you know and I'm sort of leaned over the table to be in the picture with my friends and it just hit me that it was like you see this big old hog leg and these giant arms in this sweater and and then the new year's hat there was like a top hat but my damn head was so big it looked like a thimble <laughs> on my head uh-huh. and so when I was seeing that I said you know this isn't who I want to be you know this isn't the person I want to walk around this world and be seen as Mm -hmm. and that's when the sort of the gear started turning as far as wanting to change but you know I had life going on you know work going on so I didn't really apply it what made me start to apply it was when the Baltimore Ravens actually went to the Super Bowl in in 2012 Ray Lewis was my childhood childhood idol and uh he was on his retirement year campaign and Mm -hmm. he was just preaching the choir to everybody just be fired up and ready to go and so I actually flew to Baltimore for the Super Bowl that year. And with all this still in my mind, you know, I hadn't really committed to anything at all. I was huge, 320, 30 pounds. Got to Baltimore and sort of got that taste of seeing normal life from not from the oil field and in the city. Mm-hmm. And I just looked around the bar that we were at, private bar at this party, and just saw people just from a different walk of life having fun and experiencing things. And I'm like, you know, yeah, I'm definitely not where I want to be. You know, I want to mm-hmm. change. And so – all the hype was over. We won the Super Bowl, and I'm on cloud nine flying back to uh, Minneapolis. And I remember thinking in my head, uh, when I when I land, when I get to the rig, I'm, this is when it all starts. So landed in Minneapolis, drove all the way back. It's about a 12-hour drive back to um, Minot, North Dakota. Ate at every fast food place, literally every fast food place I could stop at on the way. Once I got home, went to the rig the next day, and that's when it all started. Never ate anything fast food ever since um had no real idea about nutrition or dieting or training and all i knew was to eat chicken and greens and that's literally what i did and so for the first 90 days my first goal was 28 days lose 28 pounds the hitch at that time was 28 day hitch Mm -hmm. so i show up at the rig and i start eating just chicken and lettuce and stuff like um bags of salad mix and every once in a while, if I got super hungry, I'd eat like a handful of dried fruit mm-hmm. and got home and I was just sort of too intimidated to go weigh myself because I'm like, yeah, you know, I didn't lose anything. This is nothing. This is bullshit. And so finally, like three days later, I went to the little Awati Center. It's like a local senior citizens diabetes trailer, like another extended FEMA trailer. This was the only gym there. Yeah. And so I go in there to weigh myself and I lost 30 pounds. Oh, wow. And I, that's when it clicked. I said, whoa, you know, if, if, if I put just that little bit of effort and lack of any knowledge and, and got 30 pounds out of this, where can I go with this? So immediately then on those two weeks off, the gear started turning. I started trying to think, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And so my next goal was I wanted to have abs by um, July, and this was February. So in the first three months, I lost 100 pounds. Completely on my own, completely with no. So no. let's talk about a little so, bit color in though. Yeah. So yeah. you're you're living in in a sardine. You're on the rig. You're with six other guys or five other guys or six. Um, other guys? six total guys. So five crew. other guys. There's six others that stay there when you're not there. But so twelve yeah. in one trailer, but six at a time. And so Woo. what's going on with them? Like what's going um, on with not only just them because these are your coworkers. Exactly. You guys are. You guys don't. Like yeah, but they're rough next. They're exactly. not like your typical coworker. Yeah, they really yeah. don't give a shit about what you got going on. They're just worried about themselves to get drunk as they can before they pass out and eat. Like I said, eat a steak or something and lay down. You know, they're once they started seeing me sort of like drift off in the other direction of yeah, 
applying myself to something, they started mm-hmm. getting, you know, raising their eyebrow, like, why are you doing this? Like, what's they're wrong not, with you? They're not, they're not coming down on you for eating rabbit food? Not or? at first. Once, at first, they thought, you know, this is something you're just going to try and you're going to give up. You'll be back, you know, normal. Well, yeah. I'm the type of person when I commit to something, I'm 100% in, like all in, like in a bad way almost all in, you know, where Ob- I don't see obsessive anything almost. obsessive. Yeah. And so um, initially they just was like, oh, you know, whatever. And so I lost that 30 pounds. Remember, we're on 28-day hitches, right? Right. So you and you're two weeks into that hitch. The one crew leaves, another one comes. So you're seeing someone every 28 days, you see the other crew. And remember, I lost 100 pounds in 90 days. So some of these people, when they s- literally, the next time they saw me, I'm like a different person already. So oh, for sure. And three times of seeing me, I lost 100 pounds. And around the second rotation of shift changes is when people started sort of getting weirded out. They were like, yo, what's wrong with you? Are you doing drugs? Are you, you know, what are you doing? And they actually later on, long time after, found out that they were, they actually had sent people to f- see if I was actually going to the gym. And because I was driving forty five minutes one way at one thirty in the morning just to get to the gym on ice roads and blizzards and shit. So like, the only Jeez. gym near our rig because you're in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, we had to drive forty five minutes with no other vehicles. You you crash, you die. If you yeah. wreck or break down, you're probably going to die. It's negative sixty if your car shuts off. And there's dead. no one else out there. No one else out there. I mean, you sometimes might see one or two cars or, yeah. a, or a water truck coming to a location. But so, yeah, then that's, like you said, when they all started getting on me about it and really ride me about it because they, cause it's a team out there, you know, and we're mm-hmm. all on the same team. And they saw me being a little bit distracted with focus on making sure I hit these marks physically and diet-wise that, you know, they were worried that it was going to interfere with the job. So it was tough, you know. My um, Luckily, I'd been with this unit for a while, a couple of years, so they all knew me very well in my I had enough, you know, prestige with the rig to where they didn't really, they knew the quality of my work, so it yeah. wasn't a big issue on let me do what I wanted, and I didn't slack off as far as production. But um, so so your production didn't go down, even changing well, no, your man. diet. Man, I was you up, had plenty of energy. So up until like I said, I was around three hundred twenty pounds, and once I got down to, I was flying on cloud nine. I felt like I was reborn. Because remember, I didn't even mention this that. Um, after I lost like 60 pounds is when I quit smoking. I had smoked cigarettes for about seven or eight years, heavily, two, three packs a day, oh, every wow. day. On top of that, super high caloric intake of food, of garbage food. And so... You're just a poster child right there for, for great health at that yeah. point in your life. You know, and You'd reach the pinnacle. <laughs> well, once I cut those out, I started, you know, I just, I, I literally remember the one day I walked outside and just, I remember breathing again for the first time in like, not just breathing, but I felt my body absorbing oxygen, you know, (laughs) clean energy. And, and so I I was flying on cloud nine up until about the last 25 pounds of the weight loss. Yeah. And you know, you couldn't stop me. I was a shot out of a barrel of a cannon and, you know, I was working my back out. I was running six miles before I worked out. Then I would work out for an hour and a half and then bike 10, 12 miles after. And then, you know, I was just a machine because, you know, the workload we were already doing had my body primed to be endurance. Yeah. So it was a, it was awesome. It was when I started getting down to the nitty gritty of getting down to 196 from about 210 or so down to 196. That's when it got rough. And when I crashed my metabolism, that's when I really had my eyes open to, to having to get it to another level of education to really progress and just not just to be functional. Cause I, I was so, I had the tunnel vision so bad that I didn't care. I'm like, I'm not eating anything. I'm eating for almost two years. I only ate chicken and broccoli, literally no, mm-hmm. no cheat meals for about two years, no outside food at all. And I just was so bent on losing weight, being thin, being in shape and just being better and improving, improving, improving. When I crashed my metabolism, it was, that was one of the roughest experiences ever. So, so you were on the rig when that happened? Oh, I was literally walking around the rig when it hit me, and it was... So explain that to us. What, um, what does yeah. it mean by crashing your atab- uh, metabolism? So you're in such a deficit of calories for so long that you're physically pushing yourself past uh, just your normal metabolic rate, and you have nothing to replenish it with. And you're, mm-hmm. you ha- and I was I had no real vitamins going in. I had no you know, glutamines or anything to help support how much I'm tearing down my body. Mm-hmm. And so just chicken and greens was not getting it anymore. And so the experience is, you know, I, I don't, I don't personally know the feeling. I can only relate it to what I've seen on TV or movies, but 
I would equate it to what I've seen as far as someone being in like stage four cancer and having like their deathbed of from having AIDS. You know, it's like you feel like there's a thumb on you pushing you in the ground. Just, be, yeah. just blinking is a is a chore. And you're on an oil rig where you're expected to do a heavy a amount of work. And at any minute, it could go from hard work to like deadly extreme work. You yeah. Know? So yeah. that casual work is hard work. Any minute, if something major goes wrong, it could be such a demand, and it freaked me out. And that's when I realized I needed to get a hold of coaches and get a nutritional plan in place and really be smart about this and. And I was just so mentally, I had, it was sort of like a recovering addict, you know, in my mind, mm. I'm like, I know I need to eat, but I just could not get myself to eat any food because I knew, well, if I eat this, I'm going to get fat. I'm going to go back the other way. I'm going to, you know, relapse kind of thing. I'm going to just go, go off the deep end Yeah, because I couldn't see anything else. So I didn't want to quit on myself. That was what drove me the whole time was like, don't quit on yourself. No matter how hard it gets, keep going, hit your goal. And so trying to then break out of that mindset was a, a challenge in itself, but yeah, that was when I, I lost that 100 pounds in not about 90 days, and I had abs by July. <laughs> so so you get your abs. How, how long from there to you coming down here to Vegas, or what was the next step? Like, like you, you stayed on the oil rig, and you kept working exactly. there, and you kept doing that. So I would say it was about a year and a half after crashing my metabolism and getting mm-hmm. involved with, you know, national-level coaches and dietary coaches and trainers and stuff to get me on my on my way as far as now actually educating myself on how to keep this going and and actually grow out of it and mm-hmm. but still keep my my uh physical shape because i didn't like you said like what now that was yeah yeah for that sure. was the wake-up call like oh like i have no more fat to lose what the hell am i gonna do now well also <laughs> jesse going back to your your crew that's around you did you take anyone with you did other guys are like Dude, I mean, that's such a dramatic change. You throw in the smoking, you throw in the steaks, you throw in the fat. I just can imagine the fat calories that oh, yeah. are rolling downhill. Did other, like, did your other team members go, dude, you've got to be, you're just, like you said, you shot out of a cannon. I bet some, I mean, when you're in that mentality, I bet it's hard to see, hey, you know what? Maybe I could run five miles. Maybe I could exactly actually do stuff like that. Did, did any of your team members, is, is that where maybe some of the coaching came from? Um, no. So they actually was very little support from anyone on the rig. Um, <clears throat> I did have one friend uh, who I will never forget because he literally went to the gym. Well, it ended up being another guy later on. But the first guy just initially getting started, because like I said, I found that local, well, local 45 minutes away gym. That's crazy. And so <laughs> remember, they were on a 12-hour schedule. Plus the 45 minute drive, plus the hour and a half training, plus the hour of cardio. So now you're talking all that, add that up. It's left me with about four and a half hours of, or yeah, well, maybe five hours of sleep a night. So I'd get off the rig six to seven thirty PM, try to throw down one last meal, wash my back as quick as I could jump in the bed as quick as I could wake up at one thirty AM drive to the, to the local gym and then you know, pray to God I didn't slide off the roads or something like that or whatever it was dealing with, and then come back to the rig, try to eat another meal, get dressed, go to a safety meeting, and be ready for the rig at 6 a.m. and do it all over again. It was, every minute of the day was accounted for, every single minute. There was no room for, you know, not being prepared, and that was the main thing was finding a way to find myself being prepared for any scenario which played great because I had so much experience on the rig that I knew the intricacies of everything and how it went. And as much as it's chaotic, there's like a little bit of uh, patterns in the chaos. Mm-hmm. And I had so much experience at that time with doing it that I luckily was able to, because if you was fresh to a rig, there's no way you would do it. There's no way. No, not only would they not let you do it, but you wouldn't be able to think ahead enough to be prepared to have the nutrition or at least the bare minimum nutrition to keep yourself moving through that um, workload. Yeah. So I would cook all like 180 meals for myself the day before I drive to the rig, freeze half of them, eat two, eat the unthawed ones for about a uh, week. And then the other half, the second week that I'd take out of the freezer. So I took every meal with me. Everything was accounted for. Drink two to five gallons of water a day, every day. And, uh, I was a machine, man. You couldn't stop me. You couldn't stop me. You'd had to shoot me to stop me. That's awesome, man. So. And once you're committed, that's that's it. And that's what built the foundation. Being in that kind of militant sort of routine 
mm-hmm. and not knowing any, it was, ignorance was bliss for me because I didn't know any better in any direction. So all I knew was not quit. And I committed to that so hard and got in and found a way to find that rhythm and that chaos to make it work. Anything else is cakewalk. I came to Vegas and people here are like, oh, man, dieting sucks. I don't know. Like, dude, I ate six meals a day in negative yeah. 50 degree temperatures in North Dakota with no heat. Never missed a meal for a year and a half. If I can figure out how to do it there, you don't get any pity from me, man. Yeah, exactly. You know, for sure. So, but I don't try to harp on people, you know, because I'm a very empathetic person. Mm-hmm. I understand, especially when it comes to clientele. I know life is life. And if you don't know any better, you're probably not going to find that crazy drive to, to just say, cut everything off and make it work. Mm-hmm. And so I try, to, I try to see the whole picture for everybody. But in my mind, in that state, I wanted to change and it was nothing going to stop me. So, so that poses a question, you know, I'm sure you love the clients that you're working with and the challenges that they have and you help them through that. Do you ever find it a little bit of, you have to dig down and have a little bit more patience with them because it's like they're complaining about something so trivial. And then the path that you walked was pretty hardcore. And, and you admit to say that not very many people would do what you did. Oh, yeah. You know, so, so when you hear someone kind of whining and complaining about a salad they had to eat the night before or waking up at seven in the morning to go to the gym, you know, and and they may kind of vent to you a little bit. Does that take a little patience? Um, It does. At the same time, I sort of by default fell into a way of that working out for me when it comes to my clients, because I don't, usually tell them my story at first they see usually they'll see majority of my clientele comes from word of mouth or visually seeing me in the gym and being a taller guy and having a little bit of symmetry and balance in my physique usually is what you know if you're looking for somebody to train you and you're a guy and you're a bigger guy you know you want to see a a guy who's not overly big not you know too thin not too crossfitty looking someone who's got some decent muscle mass and and has some balance so that's usually what attracts them to me to want me to train them. And so once we get involved in the training, I don't say a word. I, I, I let them get into the routine themselves. And then once they get to know me personally and they hear my story, then they're like, oh, crap. I'm like, yeah, this guy. I'm not whining to this guy. You know what I mean? Like, and, I, and, you know, I don't try to intimidate them out of the gate with that because, like you said, it's, I know it's extreme. I know not many people aren't going to do that, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I don't try to, like, come, in, come out of the gate and just be – you know, sort of a dominant kind of trainer. I come in and I let you show me what you got, and I try to maximize that, and you know, go from there and build on your weaknesses by enhancing your strengths as well. You know, because everyone's got some form of strength when it comes to physical, you know, ability. So that's the first thing I focus on to build your confidence. You know, because if you, for one thing, it's tough for a guy to commit to hiring another man to train them anyway. Oh yeah, just for pride, ego, all that, especially yeah. in a city like Vegas, because all about ego and pride so um it, you got to be very careful how you approach it because you're gonna have offend someone real quick as far as you know offend their ego so I'm, I'm always just stay really humble with everybody no matter where i'm at physically or where they've seen me at I, to me i i never did any of it to try to be better than anyone else i never tried to be the biggest guy the leanest guy I just wanted to improve. You know, I could care less. I had to do it for women. I didn't do it. For, there was no women, you know, and that's hard yeah. to get across to people here is Vegas is so mainstream and it's all flash. And, oh yeah. You know, lights sure. and flash and all that. So majority of people here, no matter what their reason is, there's a little bit of that behind it. Like they want some attraction from women like North Dakota, there are no women. So everything I did, <laughs> I can't, I'm not even exaggerating when I say that, I, even if I wanted it to be, when I went to that gym at one 30 in the morning, there's no, no one in there. It was me and the other guy that rode with me. Yeah. That was it. There was no one else. So, um, most people can't understand. They, they're like, then why'd you do it? I'm like, cause I just wanted to get better as a person, you For know? Sure. And as I saw it happening, I'm like, if this is, I just wanted to see where my potential would go if I just put everything in it, you know? So when you got to that potential that you wanted, you, you were feeling pretty good about it. What made you go from that to becoming a trainer? Did you have this urge to try to help other people? You saw the need or, or well, I don't know, maybe you came down here to Vegas at that time. I, I, I Actually, what led you to Vegas? Because exactly. I mean, from North, I mean my, my stepdad is from South Dakota and, you know, his, and I, I know how his journey you know, got here to Vegas and everyone's got a story. I mean, from South Carolina to North Dakota to Vegas, that's not a direct route. So. Yeah. So in all honesty, like, uh, growing up in South Carolina, there was a 
very, very, very um, poverty-stricken area, I guess mm-hmm. you would say. Like, grew up very, very poor. And so, you know, once I got around 18 years old, I started to notice, like, um, you know, there's not a whole lot of options here. I'm either going to work for, like, 12 bucks an hour for the next 10 years or – if I'm lucky, make 15 bucks an hour by then, like, well, what am I going to do? You know? So, yeah. um, we got turned on to a connection in North Dakota or in Wyoming for, uh, working in the oil industry. And so we, we took us a year to even commit because they were saying 30 bucks an hour with no experience. And we just didn't believe it. That's how extremely, you know, poor the area was we come from. And they're like, mm. we're like, no way somebody's gonna pay you 30 bucks with no experience, whatever. And after about a year of them trying to convince us, we're like, maybe they're serious. So, long story short, we go out there. And so everything I built in my career for those 10 years was strictly oil field. It was strictly the rigs. It was anything pertaining to the oil field that only, that doesn't translate in any other field of work. And when the oil field dies, it dies everywhere. So essentially I'm completely back to square one, back to being 19 years old with no experience other than fitness. So it actually was a blessing in disguise that I started this the three or four years before this because and was so consumed in it because I was entirely consumed. That's lived, breathed. There was nothing in my house except anything related to me progressing and, and improving fitness and education and nutrition and training. And so, again, the ignorance part of everything I was doing, I didn't realize I was that invested. I thought this is what everybody does this in fitness, you know? So I didn't mm-hmm. know what I was acquiring mentally and applying physically was valuable. I didn't know. I just thought when you go to the gym, everybody knows this and they're all doing the same thing as you. Yeah. And so it did take me seeing Vegas and understanding like, okay, well what I know and what I'm applying is actually valuable. You know, there's people who are successful in some other form of life that just haven't had the time to build this knowledge about what I'm doing. And so then it was just a conflict of, of sales because I was, I've never been a good salesman and I didn't know how to put a price on, you know, for what I know. And, and so that was, it was not planned, but as soon as I started doing it, it, I knew it was what my passion was. I knew it was everything that I did was for that because I'm an extremely empathetic person and, and working with senior citizens and stuff and, you know, younger kids sometimes where you actually see your applied training change their life in some way and see them like find some form of happiness that they never experienced through, you know, millionaires, you know, I trained mm-hmm. a millionaire or something like that. And somebody like me that came from nothing and worked in the oil field for 10 years was able to show them something that they would have never got to see in life or feel in life. And that that's a fulfillment that you can't really compare to anything else. Oh, you know? for sure. So from all your clients, what's your biggest transformation? What's someone that has been just, hit your heart real well or something like that, that, that has really done a lot of change in their life and was helped by you? Um, I would say it was a lady, it was a European lady, Annette, and we worked together for only about six or eight months. But, you know, she, she sort of intimidated me at first. She's like, you know, I was a trainer for this X amount of years and I did this and I did that. And so, I was like, man, you know, I really got to get this together and make sure I have a really good, you know, formula for her to, to get things rolling. Mm-hmm. And again, just like everything else I ever did in fitness, I get so consumed in it. I don't really pay attention to what's happening and I don't see the progression as close as it, you know, really as everyone else is seeing it or feeling it personally. And so when the eight months came up, she ended up having to change jobs or something that caused her to leave training with me. And uh, to me, I was like, well, you know, she's just going to go somewhere else and it is what it is. And I'm just glad I got to help her. And I remember coming back to the office and the front desk said, you know, somebody left something for you. And uh, it's actually on my Instagram somewhere. And I, I walk in, there's a, a, ho- a handmade card, a f- you know, four all four pages written on and, and it. She just went into very, very clear detail of like, you know, you, you really changed my life. You, you really changed my outlook you know, little things that I would say to her that was just secondary to me was, or second nature to me. She was, she was like, these things were like, this is what drove me. And, and it was my first real experience of like, just who I am and my approach to helping people works, you know, not just work, but it, you know, really changed her whole outlook on everything. And I meant something to her Yeah, and feeling that for the first time on that level and someone going to that level of, effort to express it to you 
it just made me feel a different kind of value in life. You know, being a roughneck and all that made me have such a level of pride and, you know, prestige and feeling like a badass. Mm-hmm. That nothing else would compare to that. And, and that alone is what I think keeps me humble now because I know what I've already achieved physically doing mm-hmm. that for years. So when I'm here, I don't really got to go around trying to be a cool guy. You know, I don't try to act like I'm tough or do any of that because I know, I know what I did, you know, I know what I yeah. experienced. And so that gave me fulfillment, but that's different. You know, feeling that you personally affected someone's life forever, just from actually just a, being genuine with them and caring about them and, and giving them effort, you know, outside of just, you know, an hour session that they're paying for, you know, when that was probably the biggest one for me that, you know, I literally broke to tears reading it because yeah. it was that expressive. That's and awesome. So have you found anyone that had the same mentality as you do? Or that you did on the oil rig, someone with that kind of drive, that kind of motivation. Um, the one I trained another lady here. Her name's Samira, and uh, I tell you, man, that it's one of the toughest people I've ever. Because no matter what you put on them, no matter what challenge you give them, they just won't quit. You know, no yeah. matter what I could put. And this woman was, uh, I was, I want to say she was around one twenty-five at the time. Mm-hmm. Had a very gifted genetic physique from from scratch anyway she she actually was heavy before but you know lost weight and was in pretty good shape and then hired me to get her in better shape and for contest prep but the more I got to training her I was like I ended up you know telling her one day I was like there's only one other person I've ever seen push through this the way I've seen you and it's it was me and I said I didn't think it was possible for anybody to push that hard and just have that mechanism of no matter what's in front of them they're not going to quit and they're just going to commit 100% and make it happen but it's it's not a lot of people. Most no, people, no, it's not. Most people, uh, you know, honestly, a personal training can be a cosmetic thing. Sometimes, you know, it's you know they sort of want the feeling of feeling validated that they went to the gym today. You know, mm-hmm. and you gotta you know manage that too. But it just makes it mean even more when you do get those clients who are, are trying really to change it. their life. Yeah. you know, it's it's tough. Well, yeah, Jess, talk about a little bit. Like, what are some of the five things that you know? Because a lot of people, I think, are either intimidated or scared um, or not always sure, like, hey, why should I get a coach? Or why, what will a coach do? And a lot of times, like, especially if you go to the gym and you see someone else working out with a trainer, you know, there's a lot of misconceptions. And so, you know, reach out to some of our audience members who may be like, you know what? I've always wondered about a trainer. But like, what, what what does that person really do? Do they just give out the exercises? Am I, you know, are you just reading it from a book? So it sounds like, cause you've worked with, like you said, a, a myriad of, of people, like give us some, a, a, a glimpse into like, what's going on when you first meet the person? Like, what are some of the, the needs that you're trying to identify? Um, so I would say if, if, if I'm looking into getting a personal trainer, the, the f- you know, around five reasons I would say would be first off, just to eliminate time, like you, you're going to spend a lot of time, especially if you have a busy lifestyle, you can waste a lot of time, you know, punching the wall and never figuring anything out, spinning your wheels. So with that being said, again, like you, you mentioned as far as whether they're going to be quality or whether reading from a book or doing copy and paste, you just more or less want to look for someone who's where you want to be first and then actually have a meeting with them, sit down and have a conversation and find out if they're if you, you can get an idea of whether a person's blowing smoke or not. So, um, and like with myself, you know, I will tell someone straight up, you know, I've been here, I've been there physically, you know, I've, I've walked in many different directions of fitness and not only do I know the feeling, but I know the, the applications of things to help go in that direction of whatever your goal is. And so, so saving time and, and, and money, cause you're going to be spending money on food and supplements and trying different diets and just be sort of lost. And mm-hmm. so, and secondly, it would be just injury prevention. Again, yeah. something that I was a major risk for me was on the rig. Pushing, I wanted to ask you about that. Trying, and that was a blessing in disguise as well as far as the ignorance thing. I was so ignorant to what training was and how to, you know, before I had all the knowledge, all I knew was I got to protect my career and I can't get injured. So I got to find out how to make progress, develop my body, not get injured. So that sort of funneled me into this type of training style and, an approach that was exactly what you would do once you get all the information and knowledge. And as you're moving down the, the pages of the books of learning, mm-hmm. you're like, well, I sort of already 
accidentally did all this, you know, by necessity. Um, so injury prevention would be second because if you have a job or a career or just you're older and you don't want to risk getting injured, that would be a huge reason to get a trainer. And, uh, and again, if you're in a busy gym, just for the simple reason of navigating the gym for you, you mm-hmm. know, time again, saving time in the gym. So, well, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of <clears throat> machines or, or weights out there. And a lot of times people are, it le- looks the same, but it doesn't operate the same. Exactly. And, 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 you know, then it's another education. You're saving time on the education. And it all varies too, um, per individual. Like if you get a man that's been training by himself and he's in decent shape and he's, you know, 25, 35 years old, you know, he's already developed a little bit of muscle and stuff. So he knows how to work out, but then it's, it's finding ways of cueing them inside of movements and training to where they're actually not just moving weight, but activating muscles, which in, in, in the end is training individual muscles to create movement. And that's where you really get people convinced is once you can apply it and, and make them feel their muscles individually working, that's when the light switch goes on for most people. Cause you know, I could put somebody through a, a circuit, you know, a sort of a plyometric style, you know, cardio circuit to where you're working out, you're going to sweat like crazy. You'll lose weight, but you'll never have that connection with your body to where when you're done working out with me, you're going to be able to go apply it. You can go run in a park or do something to burn, make sweat. But you know, what I try to apply to people is to when they leave from training with me, whatever reason, they can use them same techniques and approach to feel their muscles work and, and know how to, you know, the <clears throat> range of motions and the, the types of weights and the angles that, you know, fit their body better. And that's what I tell them from the minute I start working with someone is like, you know, I'm not here trying to nickel and dime you to keep you around forever. My goal is to whenever point, whether it's a week, two weeks or a year, when you leave me, you're able to train yourself more efficiently than when, when you started with me. And so you, but my client retention has always been really good. I've I've got many clients I've been with from the, the minute I started training in Vegas, you know, three plus years ago. So, oh wow, they stay loyal, huh? Yeah, you know, once you know, and again, that's again the, the efficiency of a lot of these people are professionals, so they have a day to day routine. And what created this level of success in whatever profession they're in was their routine. Mm-hmm. So now that they're incorporating this training of whatever they they have going on, it becomes their routine. And if it's quality, and you're providing a quality product to them. There's no reason for them to break the routine because that's part of their development in their own journey, you know, outside of fitness. And they just wanted the fitness thing, just something their doctor said, or they just don't like what they see in the mirror, or or they just want to be a little stronger, or they just want some attention, you know, whatever it is. But, um, you know, it's there's so many different reasons, but the main ones would be saving time, being more efficient in your training and injury prevention is the most important for me, I would say. And, uh, but there's a, at the same time, there's a lot of women who are intimidated by the gym and in, in some of these big box gyms here, you have a lot of creepy, creepy guys who are just going to the gym to try to hit on women. So oh, yeah. having a trainer for a woman sometimes is s- sort of safety for them. It keeps people from approaching them because n- not many guys are going to come up, try to hit on you when you're, you're with a personal trainer. So it's almost like a bodyguard slash in a way. Yeah. I've yeah. had, I've had women hire me just for that. You know, they know how to work out pretty good. They do learn more and I refine them a little more, but they're like, Hey, I've never even worked out up here before because I'm so overwhelmed by the guys who just try to approach and, and just sort of take me out of my focus. And so, yeah. well, the one thing I've always noticed in the gym and I always like when I lift, sometimes I'll bring a buddy with me cause he, it's nice to have an extra set of eyes on your form. Exactly. Uh, the, the, there's a lot of exercises by naturally you want to put your head down, exactly. but by putting your head up all of a sudden it changes everything exactly. and, and you're feeling things in your shoulders or something else that, that is completely different. And then when I, learn all that i start looking at other people and i see their form and stuff and i just like oh man dude they're just that just looks horrible or or it looks like they're going to hurt themselves they're whipping they're moving and and, but then again i would never walk up to someone and like a stranger because exactly then it becomes a pride issue ego ego and pride yeah and i don't either you know a lot of there's some trainers who will approach random people and, and try to correct them but I try to steer away from that, you know, because yeah. you, not only that, but even if someone's doing something, I mean, if it's really bad to where I know they can really be hurt, I will sort of try to, you know, get their attention in some way, even if it's off topic. 
But normally, you know, just like with my story, like you don't know what that person's going through. That you know, he might be going yeah, to the gym true. just to burn off steam. He might want to go over here and just be throwing the cables around just to be get off energy so he don't go attack someone. You know, he's in there just clearing his head. So I try to get that through to people sometimes when they I have clients say, "Man, what the hell is that guy doing over there?" I'm like, you know, he's it is wrong, but at the same time, you don't know what he's going through. He could be. It was either this or go, you know, attack somebody. <laughs> yeah, know? no, so. that's a good point. A lot of times, I just keep my headphones on and just mind my yeah. business and so and go like that. But. There was many times where I'm sure I looked like a complete, you know, off <laughs> off track person in the gym, but yeah, I didn't know, and I was trying, you know, and that's I, you know, they're in there, they're in there, and they're trying, they're making some form of effort, and you know, it's it, you know, if it's someone I see every single day for you know a couple of years, and I see that they're not progressing, and I see them, then it, you know, I'll try to create like an off-topic conversation and then help backdoor into yeah. that. But most of the time, it, you know, it's just people are on different journeys and different pages of the book, yeah. and their reasons are their reasons, and I try not to be judgmental because. You never know what they got going on. Well, if you enjoy people watching, I don't know a better place than the gym. Oh, Lord. I love watching, you know. And being a trainer, you really get to see it. Because, you know, when you're training yourself, you're maybe in there an hour and a half. So what you see is sort of that hour and a half window. When you're in the same gym for about nine hours straight, you really see the dynamics of, oh, yeah. the, of the pack, you know, I mentality of the, you know, hormonal drive and the oh, animalistic, yeah. you know, nature of everything going on. It's, it's a different world, man. So do you ever train two people at the same time or Sometimes. multiple people? I try to steer away from that. And I do, I've had group training classes in the past with a, a, a trainer friend of mine. But a majority of the time I try to keep it one-on-one just for the quality. You I, know? I always think that's better. I, I go to the LVAC, the new one on wellness, okay, yeah. the one that yeah. just opened up. And I'm there early in the morning. And there's one trainer in there, and he'll have – I swear, six or seven people in there. All doing and, different. And, and he he's moving. I mean, yep. he's not staying in one spot, and he's getting them to do this, and maybe he'll have three of them doing kind of the same exercise. And I'm in, I'm impressed by it, but at the same time, I'm thinking, are they all paying full price for this? That's, you no, know, like, they're like, not. If I'm paying full price, if I'm hiring you as a trainer – for that hour, exactly, you kind of belong to me, exactly. And and, and hey, he, Adam, if you had three I, other, I know people. that trainer, and no, you don't. He actually, they do the group training for a little bit discount. He does. He starts personal, he? private, and then he lets them gravitate to group. Yeah, for the same reason that Jesse's talking about is, you know, he wants people to progress, and even like you talked about your own journey, how you progressed it clicked here first exactly and so he no he uh, well, i guess that the people sign up for it and they agree like hey i'm a group of seven people that's going to meet at six o'clock in the gym yeah. i i get it i've always wanted to ask him but i don't want to like question his same. business ethics you in know? the beginning i had the same mentality i was confused at why i was looking at it as if the trainers that take that approach were sort of gouging in a way it's like you know they're taking advantage of people who need help Mm-hmm. But it, like like he said at the end, it's like at the end of the day, if this person signs up to train with three other people and and they're then okay with their being left, you know, yeah. Over so here. I know a lot of people in. So that I've group, just got actually. to a point where I'm like, I'm not just going to judge. I just go with it, you know, yeah. if that's what they're okay with. And well, and some people. So I, in a, I mean, to see you, Jesse. I mean, you know, like you are physically fit. Like, and even to talk about your vocabulary really sets it off as well. And so, and once again, not being judging and is. I know for some people, they prefer a group, actually. And less intimidating. Yeah, less intimidating. And maybe they're like, you know what? Hey, this is the, the pace I can swim at, which is a gentle paddle. And then where someone, hey, I want to do a, a I want to do an all-out, you know, dash. You know, I need 100% of it, Jesse. Yeah, yeah. And, and then other people are like, you know what? Because, you know, if, if you're not doing the diet, it doesn't matter how much exercise you're exactly. doing. You know, you talked about your, your dedication to the, the chicken and broccoli, you know, and, and how much prep. I mean, a lot of people talk about doing meal prep. You did. Extreme. You did extreme meal prep. I was extreme, prep. man. Was, that should be the show. I was super Jesse's extreme. extreme meal prep. <laughs> yeah, right. In 60 degree <laughs> under weather, right? Looking back, man, it's crazy. And so, uh, Sounds crazy. Yeah, you know, so I, I, I know, but to let you, I mean, Adam, just let you know, that group, they actually do it for a lot. Of, maybe they can't afford 100% that of too. Jesse. Yep. Yep. Yeah, and so they get discount. Or, you know what? They're at a place where they're like, hey, I can't. 
This is all they can do. Well, you know, and I got to give it to them. They're in there every morning. That's the so thing. So I, I, whatever it is, it's working. He's in there. He's yeah. he's all over the place. They're all happy. They all look like they're enjoying exactly. themselves. So it's like I, I mean, I'm not hating on. It. I was I was just wondering. No, for sure. And that's just like I said. I, I went through the same sort of thought process on that in the mm-hmm. beginning when I first started training. Because I was so focused on giving 100% to people, when I saw a trainer not giving 100%, I initially wanted to say, why is this guy not giving 100%? But then at the end of the day, at business, if you're a smart business-minded trainer more than you are a uh, trying to be you know, personally in tune with your client, mm-hmm. that's the smartest thing. I mean, that guy is probably way more financially successful in training than me you know, because he's taking that approach. And I'm sure he he cares at the same time. He's not just like I initially thought way back when I started was that he's just trying to, you know, gouge money, you know, he cares and that's what he, he offers and they buy it, you know? And and the longer I was seeing it and I got to know him more and saw that, like he said, it's more of a, a pack thing where they all feel like they're part of a team that's getting something done every day. And it's sort of what, you know, cause just waking up to go train by yourself with one trainer for some people isn't enough commitment. When you know, like, hey, uh, Sarah and Andy are expecting me to be there today because yeah. they want to see me do this plank for three minutes, then you have a more of a reason to get up at 6 a.m. to go train. So, yeah, for sure. So, when did you start competing? Um, so that's remember, I told you I, I started uh, once I did the whole metabolism crash thing, I knew I had to find a, a coach that knew what he was doing with nutrition. So, I hired a guy out of uh, Washington and he was a national level bodybuilder at the time and I had no clue about bodybuilding at all like I said I never had a reason I didn't want to gain muscle I didn't want to get skinny I had no real physical goal other than just to be better and I didn't know what that better was all I knew was I I was going to do whatever it took to do it and so uh anyway he when he when I, I, I hired him and sent him pictures he's like go to a restaurant right now and just eat and I was like what he's like just eat steak potatoes blah blah I'm like no I can't do that. He's like, you need to eat, dude. You're so malnutrition right now. You need to get some nutrients in your body. So anyway, I went and for the first time in like two years, I had steak and potatoes and uh, not coleslaw. um, Coleslaw sounds delicious to me. What was the cottage cheese? First time I I hated cottage cheese, but I was so starved at that moment. When I had cottage cheese, it was like the greatest thing on earth. And now I love it. So Anyway, he got me into nutrition. He started the diet he gave me, which is another reason why I sort of backdoored myself into being so good at doing the whole um, bodybuilding style dieting was because I would push myself to the extreme without even knowing what I was doing and what other people do to be physically fit. So when he gave me the real diet, it was like triple the food I was already eating. And I was, so I was living on cloud nine again, where some people with this diet would be like the worst thing on earth to have to commit to. I was like, man, I'll eat this every day forever. And so he started um, feeding me and I started actually shaping up a little, looking like I was going to be alive a little while. And so <laughs> um, uh, next thing you know, he, he, I got really, really lean and in good shape. And he's like, so what are you going to do now? And I said, I uh, don't know. What do you think? <laughs> and he said, why don't you do a show? And I'm like, because I'd never been in public with my shirt off ever. I was, I was never super, um, insecure. I just wasn't, I just didn't want to be out with my that, shirt. Off. And it was 40 below where you were and at. That, and that, yeah, yeah. I forget off. to, I forget <laughs> to tell people that part, but, um, he's like, do a show. And I'm like, no way. But at the time, again, I was sort of a, I didn't have a lot of social skills at the time, as far as I had a, a social anxiety to a certain extent. And, I just swear it wasn't good in, in public settings at all and mm. social settings of any kind of people I don't know. And so at the time, like I said, I was trying to improve in all areas of life. And I looked at it as like, well, if there's anything that's going to, this is the biggest thing I'm scared of. So I'm going to dive right in. And so I committed and I was like, well, I got 12 that's weeks, awesome. 12 weeks to get ready to be in, not only with my shirt off for the first time, but in front of people literally judging you. And so not uh, your shirt off, but you're like in your underwear. Well, that was men's physique. So you do have oh, shorts. the long shorts. Okay. And so it's sort of like the beginner's bodybuilding. Okay. Um, so I did the 12 week prep, got in great shape. And, uh, do they spray your skin down in that yep. dark? dark got to, went through that whole experience for the first time. And please, just, b- please explain to me why they do that. Uh, so the dark tan is just to make it an even playing field because you have different races, nationalities and skin tones. So skin tone and the, you know, the color of your skin can hide or, shine the definition of your physique so oh you make it an even playing field make everyone the same color yeah and you you're not ginger enough to know that (laughs) i've known yeah yeah so when you grow up ginger you know 
<laughs> you know these things. Yeah, that's no, the first I, thing they ask you. Educate. I've been to Mister Olympia. I've 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 gone to the competition. I've okay. watched them, and I've always wondered why. I mean, that and the lights are you're so talking bright, dark. I yeah. mean, like it is it is a dark like. The like, lights are so bright too that no matter what, even if you're a, a black man with good skin tone, mm-hmm. you still will wash out your your uh, physique. And you know some of these details in your your abdominals and legs mm-hmm. and back under a really bright light, it'll just look like you're in good shape. But when you put that texture on there that, or that, that coat of uh, that color tint. on yeah. the tint, you really see every line. And so see, now whether you're sense. a ginger or, or a black guy, you're going to have an even playing field of competitive you know, contest. I get it. So, See, yeah, I learned something. You didn't know that? No, I, dude, I'm sorry. How long have you been going to the gym? I, that's not something you talk I've about. I've always at the been gym. pretty surprised. I'm not at the gym talking about spray tan. <laughs> I've always been surprised at how many people ask that too. But again, I wasn't ever outside of the loop looking in other since I've been in the loop. So I never knew that that would be a question, you know? No, I, I, I've, yeah. I've always wondered that. But a lot of people ask that. Like, why is the tan so dark? And so, yeah. But yeah. But so, yeah, I, I did that and I got hooked. Because yeah. then, then it set the fire of like, okay, now I know something. I can really max this out now. Like, yeah. there's no limit to where I can do now. Like, you gave me the, the, you gave me the whole book now, and I can do what I want, you know. And so, I was about 196 or so, I think, the first time I competed, lean, mm-hmm. and about probably seven to eight percent body fat, and uh, so from there, competed, I think three times in men's physique and then i was like you know hey this is not for me you got to have like a certain energy and a certain type of swag of you know whatever to be on stage and present yourself and have a have a a little bit of ego (laughs) and i never really had an ego you know i never really like i said no matter how good a shape i was in i always felt like i could be better and there's someone better than me i never thought of it as like i'm the the best shape anybody around me you know i was just no matter how even being on a national stage placing you know top five I didn't walk off the stage happy. I woke off the stage like I didn't do enough, you know. Yeah, and so after that, and, I was going to stop. And that's the same, you know what? That's that same mentality though. When, when we get, you know, when I talk to professional athletes or even other professionals, that same driving force is it, <laughs> it's it, dangerous. It, well, it's dangerous, but it's also something you can't coach. Exactly. Can't, I can't. I can't put that in a cup and hand it to you. No. No. And and I think that's something that you see a lot of times. You talk about hey, when the when the gear clicks, when the when they see the vision, and even yeah. your nutritionist even talked to me. He said, hey, okay, I got you to this point. What now? Now, what do you want to do? Yeah. And and you know that, you know, eventually, even as a trainer, like you you, you want to self you want to get them to aware you know where they're aware of their own bodies and get there but you said like on the other hand you've had clients for over three years exactly and, and so for them they are where they want to be and then for your other clients like you're talking about for yourself when you're like hey i have that self-driving and that's something in life that you know you can never coach that you can only try to like i think i like the way you described it you can only light it or, or give someone like hey this is a this is the this is the book or, you know, this is the, this is the firewood. Now it's up to you to light it. Well, and that's the thing I, I, to expand on that more is so when I have a, a super successful client of some other f- walk of life, whatever they're doing, they've got some great level of success, but they have zero when it comes to fitness or um, anything to do with, you know, dietary approach. And so I've had them sit me down and be like, you know, what's the secret? What's the secret? And I'm like, the only thing I can ever get to their through to them and usually it helps. I mean, there's always, you know, different people you got to convince. But usually what I get through to people is when I <clears throat> I sit down with them and it's, say, some business owner, multimillionaire guy. And he'll be like, what's the secret? You know, what would you do that was this and that? What is it? How do I do this? And I said, look, man, look at look at where we're at. You know, this is your building. <laughs> you know, you've created this from nothing. You know, you literally created your whole business and your lifestyle and success from nothing. You found a way to do that right and he you know, like yeah yeah you know it was a lot of work and i said okay so what was it that made you f- work all those hours stay up you know all those nights and never quit and make this happen and that and i say well whatever that was you just got to translate that into a different direction you know you apply the same approach and the same meaning to what that is and i said and you'll find out real fast if this is what means something to you or not. Because if fitness means something to you, 
you can you you've already shown you can do something you can apply yourself to achieve a great level of success and there's nothing different between the two except changing the direction of your energy and uh that's when you like i said you'll find out real fast if what their fitness goals are or if it's a cosmetic sort of thing they want to do to look cool for a minute or if it's something they really want to change their life and improve as a person and if they do that little bit of insight sort of makes them really click and, and commit harder, you know, because they get that wake up like, Oh damn, you know, yeah, for you sure. got a point. I've already done a lot over here. There's no reason I can't do it over here. So sometimes that's already in the person. It's I, to you me, it's in everybody. It out. Every time it's yeah. there. He, and that's a, what I've said he's just coach from the out. minute I lost that weight. That's why I said I never, my goals were never to be better than anyone else because walking the walk of everything I've done all it showed me was that this is something anyone can do. I never looked no. at it as like, oh, only I can do this because I'm better than everybody. I looked at it as like, if if I did this, on an oil rig, anyone can do this. Yeah, you just got to find the reason to do it, and if you really want to do it, and that's what I'll tell clients too is like, if 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 you want to lose weight or you want to get in shape, you gotta if you're happy with the way you are, whether you're 25 percent body fat or you're five percent body fat, if you're happy with your body. And you're happy, you can go to the beach or the pool, whatever you go and have fun, and you have no zero insecurities with your physical state. This probably isn't something you should do because this is just going to create more of an internal conflict of what you're doing because this isn't what makes you happy. If if you look in the mirror and you're not comfortable with yourself, you have to find a way to, to fix that because you'll never be truly happy no matter how much money you achieve or who you're married to or what you're doing because you're never going to be happy with who you're looking at in the mirror. And that's the biggest thing I try to harp on with people is either if, if it's something that really is what decides on your happiness or your security as a man or a woman or whatever, you've got to commit and you got to make this work because you'll never be truly happy at your core. You always find some reason to lash out at people or make dramatic life, you know, changing decisions or whatever. And you'll never know what it's, what's causing all that when really it's just you're insecure with yourself. And so, for me, it was just finding something to give me security as a person and to know I wouldn't quit on myself or, you know, so much stuff in life can fail you. You know, your work, your your houses, your cars, you know, everything can be gone tomorrow. You know, everything can be taken from you. And the only thing that can't fail you is yourself. If you're if you're trying and you don't quit, you, you have control. Everything else you don't have no control over. You know what I mean? If I didn't show up here today, we don't do the show. You know, but if you're here, you know that you have something to do. And so it's just the same approach I always took from day one is like, no matter what happens or what I'm going through, what life's throwing at me, I'm not going to quit because I have to make this happen because it's the only way I'm going to feel good and confident in life and know that I did something that no one can take away from me. That's fantastic <laughs> advice, man. That's really good. You know, I, I also think it, it helps with your mental state. You For know, sure. Uh, also, we've had... Uh, guest on the show, uh, some uh, therapists, and they talk about anxiety and depression. But I think that also leads with physical activity. A lot of people that have a lot of mental issues sometimes are not in shape physically. And yeah. if they get in shape physically, they can conquer some of their mental issues that are, are uh, bothering them also. And it, it goes hand in hand. I, I definitely believe Well, that. again, it's the thing. Uh, you And, uh, and there's a lot of things I deal with with the professionals, I, uh, clients of mine is their lives and day-to-day business is so chaotic and they have no real actual control. And they and if they get too consumed in that and they just start eating out of the bag or eating out of the store and winging every day on everything except business, they really lose themselves and then they get into some mental funk, whether it's anxiety, depression, blah, yeah, blah, blah, sure. or alcoholism, whatever. Even if it's just basic training with a trainer, you're you already subconsciously put that mechanism in there that I did something um, productive today and you're building on that no matter how successful they are and whatever they're doing in this other area, they're not. And that's building subconsciously. So they have these doubts, these fears, these insecurities, anxieties, the more that every day they take a little piece, a little more brick, one more brick in the wall and they're building this, this production value of life. Mm -hmm. And and then, then they start seeing it in the mirror and then they realize real fast what the, you're conquering the man in the mirror. No one can take that from you, your business, all that other stuff. You can be gone tomorrow. Your stocks crash. Everything's over, but they can't take that. away. That, that something that, like you said, helps your subconscious mental state. It's just something that no matter what's going on around you, you know that you have control of something. 
no matter Absolutely. what. And that's For you. Sure. And you're it's like, something that drove me from the beginning was a, an African proverb that said, if there's no enemy within, no outside enemy can defeat you. And so that's what I really, really applied in my day-to-day approach to getting through the tough times and the struggles of just making it all work with life happening at the same time. It's like, if I, if I don't find something, if, if I conquer myself, nothing else can, you know? Yeah. A, and it made so much sense the longer I went. Dude, that's fantastic advice. Uh, terrific stories from your from your fitness journey to Is where it? you're at now. There's only one other question before we end that I, I wanted to get into. Okay. The balloons. Oh, okay. I love that. I, I mean, I, I, I watched or seen a couple pictures on Instagram. I, I, I had to know. I mean, you went from oil field worker to, <laughs> I mean, some manly, not saying that yeah, yeah, balloons yeah, yeah. is not man. I'm, I'm yeah. not trying to apply that. But I don't know what more of a manly job is being an oil oh, field Oh, there worker. is not many. I mean, like. <laughs> Maybe offshore fishing. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they make movies about that job. Exactly. And then, and, and then physically fit, becoming a trainer, competing. When did you get into the balloon? It was creation? just sort of like I just sort of stumbled into it almost. And I had, it was, I would have never guessed it either, but it's something. I, and anyone that knows me knows I'm just a very open-minded person in everything in life. And mm-hmm. so, and like I said before, I've already done all that. You know, I did all that tough shit, and I, I knew where I was. I know what I've achieved, and I know where I've proved myself as a man. And yeah. so, when it comes to stuff like building some, a balloon arch, like I don't, it's like it's fun to me. It's a challenge. It's another challenge. You and I, you can ask her. She sat there with me for eighteen hours building these things, and it's another thing. The it's one like, picture you posted was the balloon arch. Yeah, there was a big arch, and then someone's it's name yep, was yep. it Aaliyah or Al- Alyssa? Alyssa. And yeah, it, it was it was awesome, and it oh, was yeah. huge. How many balloons did that one take? I would say what? How many balloons? Five, six hundred balloons, probably. Easy. And that's not counting the ones we popped. Oh, yeah, 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 for sure. And it was like I said, anything else I dive into, it's 100%. And so finding that, it was such a a meticulous type of job where you, and it was a very close, you know, the dates are usually pretty close. So you got to really, and it was the quarantine. And so you're just trying to create other avenues of income. And oh, for sure. um, I happened to be involved with her and, she presented it with me and I said, well, let's try it. I'm hundred percent. Let's yeah. go for it. I'm, I'm, I'm okay with this. And we learned on the fly and well, she's more of a professional with it for sure. She's done way more I've only done maybe what, two or three types, but mm-hmm. she's done many and that's, she, she runs the operation, but me coming in again, just give a different insight on how to take an approach to, to making it more efficient and trying to get better. And, and, I just sort of, I, I love doing it now. Like I love that's building awesome. it. it. You'd be surprised that when you, like I said, something that's so chaotic, just a room full of random balloons. And then it, and 18 hours later, it's that picture. Yeah. yeah. It's a different thing that, you know, something, a, a, a pride and a value you, you build inside. Even if it's small, just balloons is something that you created from nothing. And you always have that, you know? So, so my wife, one of my wife's friends is a balloonist and they make oh, like, like animals. Of, yeah. And stuff. So they invited us one year, and uh, she really wanted to support them. So he says, hey, let's go to the – every year they have a big balloon convention here in town. And we went, and the stuff that they can make out of balloons. Oh, it's insane. Like lights in the balloons from, <laughs> from like, stuff you can actually put on your body. Like, they, they had an Iron Man one. Oof. Dude, it, it was fantastic. And I'm, I, I was really – I really didn't want to go. I'm like – yeah what are we going to look at like i'm thinking a bunch of dogs and like circus type stuff i i was blown away at the artwork oh yeah and the time that went into making the these kind of balloons was it it was kind of neat your fingers will be so raw from just the the tying of the knots and the twisting of the balloons and it, like it's a challenge. It's extreme. I mean, it, it looks like just some balloons together, but it's not easy. It's yeah. very tough. And then, and ours wasn't a very complex type of uh, arrangement. But like you saw at that convention, there's some crazy stuff oh, these yeah. guys put together. And again, it's just uh, trial and error and applying different techniques and uh, um, applications of different tapes and glues and and types of air and amounts of air, the size of balloons, brands of balloons. All of those things you got to just sort of try on your Next time, time you got to put some lights in the arch. <laughs> Have them flashing or something. We literally like finished that arch 15 minutes before guests arrived for the party. Oh, really? That's how close we cut it. Wow. 
It yeah, but it, my wife just got done making one. As a matter of fact, I got to head over there right after this. My daughter just graduated cool. high school, and so she's having a graduation party being at Taco Tuesday. So she made a cactus. I think she sent me a picture, but she made a full cactus out of balloons. Nice. And so she, she was pretty proud of it. And uh, matter of fact, when I told her that you were coming on the show, she goes, you think they can do a balloon for us? I'm like, I don't know if it, it's it, short it's, notice. That's way short notice. And I thought, I, I don't know. She goes, you know what? I'm going to try it myself. Cause she's the same way. Yeah. She puts her mind to something and she's just going to go for it. hundred yeah, percent. So, so she went on YouTube, figured it out. And I have to find that picture. I'll have to show well, you. Well, where she messed up was letting me be uh, out there trying to quote jobs. So not only did I quote it very wrong, <laughs> but I also took the challenge of the time gap on me being headstrong. Like, oh yeah, I'll do it and whatever. We'll make it work. I told her, I'm like, oh, we can do this six to eight hours. It turned into 18 hours. Oh, we had like oh. three hours of sleep, finished 15 minutes before they got there. And so I was like, you know, I'm gonna let you stick to the yeah, bookings right. and, the, yeah. and the quotes here. You were so tired. We ended up working for like 10 bucks an hour. You know what I mean? <laughs> it, was, it wasn't very good for us. So It, it was like you were back on the oil yeah, rig. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Man, Jesse, thank you so much for coming on the for show. Sure, I appreciate Sharing you. your story. Uh, uh, down in the link in the bio of this podcast, I'm going to put all your information awesome. so people could contact you or hit you up on your Instagram, uh, or, uh, email or anything like yeah. that. I'll, I'll put it all down there and, uh, we appreciate everyone, uh, tuning in and listening to the show and please tell someone about the show and hit that subscribe button on iTunes. Yeah. Jesse, I, I love, I, I think a lot of insight was, it was great. We, you know, well, a lot of times we have the stories and, and, you know, just like Adam was talking about that group trainer is I think everyone just thinks, hey, a lot of times those personal trainers showed up and they were just like instantly they're like gifted. And exactly. And, and so to hear the backs, the context that this is, you know, I think in fitness, everyone does have a personal journey. Oh, yeah. And and so but to hear, you know what, this is your journey and and the, hopefully there's inspiration that comes out of your story. And so hopefully that uh, some of our listeners can hit you up with some of their questions and, and not be afraid. Cause like even Adam, like, Absolutely. you know, if you got to know the different trainer, you know, is, is sharing your light. And I'm appreciate you sharing your light today. I appreciate I, I'm going to go me. get to know him tomorrow. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to go talk to him tomorrow. <laughs> I'm going to text him that you're coming. So I don't think we're talking about the same person. I bet we are. <laughs> I don't know, man. I'll tell you after the show. All right. All right. Hey, thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll talk to you later. Thanks, Jesse. Thank you.